Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to The Words of Jesus. This has been fun. We've been doing the, the Sermon on the Mount for the last few weeks and I hope, uh, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, I don't know how many times this has been that I've gone through it. Uh, it might be your first, it might be your second, it might be your 101st, I don't know. But um, I always find something in there that uh, just really pleases me. And one of them is, I just see that the, that the Lord Jesus loves us so much, and He wants us to know the way things really are. He has a, there's a reality base that He is operating upon that He wants for us. He wants us to understand these things and, um, and to have a good understanding of the kingdom of God. Uh, today, we're going to talk about how uh, in this, uh, as we conclude the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we're going to spend a few minutes here talking about this uh, judgment issue. Uh, but most of all, he's going to tell us how you should feel about what you've heard. Uh, you ready for this? Uh, those of you who believe in, uh, you know, that our salvation is all by faith and it has nothing to do with works, you're going to be severely disappointed uh, because Jesus uh, was not under that assumption at all. Last time we read about judge not that you be not judged, and I was explaining that a better way to translate this is condemn not and you'll not be condemned. And uh, these, these are the words that Luke uses. Matthew, he uses both. Matthew uses the word judge. And, um, and, uh, and there's always kind of a contention or kind of a, uh, a back and forth uh, about the word judge. Sure, we're supposed to be judges. We're supposed to be, um, we're supposed to be judges, but not judges of evil thought. Um, uh, the Bible talks about judging people. Um, by the way they look. And if you do that, you are a judge of other men by evil thought. And uh, that's not what we're supposed to do, being respecter of persons. But uh, we are supposed to judge someone uh, in order to protect ourselves, our family, our loved ones, the people that are in our life, to protect them from such as that uh, so that we don't have... Uh, you know, unnecessary problems in our life. Uh, we want our children to be uh, discretionary when it comes to what friends that they collect around them. Um, and uh, let me say parenthetically, after, raise, after raising hundreds of teenagers in children's home, uh, I have learned some things that I think could help you. Uh, if you think that you have a good child and they are, and he or she is running with a bad crowd. Um, uh, I assure you that that is just not so. Good kids don't run with bad kids. You can figure this out on your own, or you can uh, allow me to tell you something that I know to be true, and if you believe it, perhaps you can act on it. But uh, no, no, good kids just don't hang around with bad kids. It doesn't happen. Uh, there may be one bad kid and a group of good ones, but uh, you're not going to find a good one in a group of bad ones. It's just, it's just the way it is. And uh, we teach our, or we're supposed to, teach our children to uh, make sure that what friends they do make 
are good people. We teach our children to judge. And there's not a thing in the world wrong with it. Where the problem comes in is, is the criteria by which we judge or that we judge ahead of time. It's called prejudging. We have a word called prejudice about it. And that is judging a person before you know them. And uh, both of which are wrong and, frankly, very stupid behavior. But um, we are not to... Um, to judge one another, and um, I think that it is it should be based in our humility toward God, exactly who we are, and knowing exactly who we are. Um, uh, Jesus says it this way. Uh, he says, uh, "Why would you behold a mote that is uh, a splinter that is in your brother's eye, but consider not the beam that is in your own eye?" He said, you hypocrite, <laughs> pull the moat out of your own eye, and then thou can see clearly to pull the moat out of thy brother's eye. Now, there's a couple of, I know we read that, and it moves pretty fast, and so then we're wondering, what's he telling us to do? Just, you know, not mention the moat in your brother's eye? No, he says, get the beam out of your own eye, then you can see clearly to do the other portion of the will of God in your ministry in the earth, which is to help your brother with the splinter that is in his in in, in your in his eye. I'm sorry, you're to help your brother with the splinter that is in his eye, but you are trying to perform surgery blinded, and it's it's really really bad behavior. So be careful of the judgment thing. Make sure that whatever you do judge is coming through an eye that is unhindered. In other words, as we learned last time, that your eye be single so that your whole body can be full of light, full of illumination, full of understanding and wisdom of God. And then you can help. Otherwise, you're just causing trouble. Uh, he goes on to say, give, that, uh, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Again, here is a judgment on our part. Who are the swine? <laughs> Who are these people? We don't want to cast our pearl before swine, but I really don't know of anybody who's ever taken a handful of pearls and threw them in a pig pen. I don't know that that's ever happened. It may have, but I don't know that it's ever happened. So what's Jesus talking about? He's talking about people who have no they have an incapability of even having an appreciation for a pearl. Pig don't care about no pearl. <laughs> it don't care. Um, so what, what they care about is food. As soon as they find out that that's not food, they're not interested. Well, what we have to do is, is judge, that, judge that person. Uh, we have to judge them as whether or not they're a swine or somebody that can really appreciate a pearl, which is none other than the human race. You know, a parrot, a German shepherd, uh, a cat, a dog, a snake. I mean, there is no animal on the earth that, that cares about a pearl. Even though the oysters that created it, to them, it's a waste product. It's, it's the way they stop from something irritating them by covering it with this, this pearl uh, covering. So even the ones that create the pearl don't appreciate it like a human does. But we have to judge who are these swine? Because I assure you, they don't look like pigs in some cases. 
They don't look like pigs, so you're going to have to discern it. So here's more of this uh, judgment that is necessary in order to continue doing what, what it is you do. He says to ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, do you know this to be a fact? Is Jesus speaking in hyperbole here? Is he just uh, um, exaggerating to make an example? Or is he telling us the truth? If he is telling us the truth, then the reciprocal of what he is saying could easily be true. If you don't find, it's because you're not looking. If the door's not open, it's because you never knocked. If you don't have what you asked for, it's because you've asked amiss. Because everyone, he uses the word everyone that asks receives. Everyone that knocks, it'll be open to him. Everyone that seeks will find. So I think we can learn more from the reciprocal of what he said. Uh, it's a little more negative, but you know, if you're asking and not receiving, what do we need to do? Petition God? Fast? Go on a hunger strike? Wave the Bible in his face and say, you said, you said? Or should we consider our own selves and the way and why and the, and the motives behind what we do? Well, you know what I think. Therefore, whatsoever things you would that men should do to you. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to leave this portion out here. If you then, um, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Uh, it, it, so what he's eliminating here is that will business. Well, I guess it wasn't the will of God you know, to, for this to happen or whatever, whatever good I've been asking for, it's not his will. Well, it may not be, I mean, it might be an easy way out. It might be an easy way for you to explain what's happened, saying it's not God's will. But you have to understand a lot of times what we ask for as being good is not good at all. And of course it's not his will for you to have that. Of course it's not. So he says, don't you think your heavenly father will give you good things? Of course he will. But unfortunately, he has children down here that are pointing at rocks and saying, bread, bread, I want bread. No, honey, that's, that's not bread. It's just a rock. It looks like a loaf of bread, but it's not. Bread, I want bread. Uh, or they're, they're pointing at, an, at, a, at a scorpion and saying they want an egg. And he's saying, no, honey, you can't have that. No, 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 that's not an egg. It's a scorpion. <laughs> and so, of course, it's not his will to give you a scorpion. It's his will to give you good things. So what's going on here? Is it that, you know, he's just not, not being cooperative? Or is it the fact that we don't know what's good for us? So what is there to work on? Make him better? Is that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to in, uh, in, um, inform him as to where he, in, into the areas that he's misinformed? Hey, these are silly ideas. What we need to do is, is realize that perhaps what I was asking for is not something that I want. I think that would be the wisest thing to do. So 
And let's, let's not throw around the fact that, you know, God just doesn't want me to have a million dollars. No, God doesn't want you to go to hell, my friend. And so what do you need to work on? You need to work on being the kind of person that can have a million dollars and not curse God and die. All right, so he goes into next, the golden rule. He's saying that whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This idea that uh, we are to do unto others as we would have them do unto us, we can find this rule in a lot of religions around the world and supposedly quoted by a lot of people. But the truth is is that uh, that this is an axiomatic truth in Christianity. And it has, again, to do with our relationship with our fellow man, which you're going to find over and over again is very important to your God. The way you treat your neighbor is a lot more important than the way you treat God. As a matter of fact, they're inseparable. So he says, Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I think that a lot of times when we talk about this, we have in our minds a picture of the uh, unsaved, if you will, uh, going one direction toward a, uh, a broad gate on a big wide road. And then we have the Christian population going on this road, which is very, very narrow and leads to a very straight and narrow gate. And when, when we visualize this, we think of the world going one way and us going another. But uh, I assure you, the world is not on any road going toward any gate. These are the people of God who are all looking for the gate. They're all walking the same direction. One happens to be walking down the center line of the highway. All the rest of them are just slamming into guardrails and and just being herded like like goats <laughs> down, uh, down the highway. And, uh, but there are some people whose eyes is single, who has their mind on, on what's supposed to be done. They do the right thing for the right reasons almost every time. They live a righteous life. They live a good life. They do the right thing. They walk that narrow way. And when they get to the end, they're going to find a very narrow gate. Uh, but they're going to find it. The Broadway, when they get there, they're going to find a big wide gate, but it leads to destruction. Now, is this telling us that, you know, there's a whole bunch of Christians that are going to hell? No, I don't think so. I think that what this is telling us is, is there's a whole lot of Christians that are living a life on this earth that just look like everybody else's life, and everything they touch turns out to be destruction because they will not go the narrow way. They will not do it. They can't even obey Ten Commandments without removing one. They can't. There's just nothing they seem to be able to accomplish that uh, God has called us to do. And he says, so I want you to follow that, uh, that narrow path, that straight gate that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Here's the many and few thing. We're going to talk about that and uh, exactly what that means. He goes on to say, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Now many people say that we should judge one another when we were talking about judging. 
Um, so how do we end up judging our neighbor? Well, you ask Christians that, and they'll say, well, we judge them by their fruit. That's not what Jesus taught. Not what Jesus taught at all. It's not what the Apostle Paul taught. The Apostle Paul taught us that there is, there's only three ways of knowing. One of those ways is personal between that man and God. The other way is, is that they keep the commandments of God. Number two, that they treat their fellow man well. When you see that, you're seeing somebody who's passed from death unto life. That's the way we judge. That's the way we judge. What about the fruit? He said the fruit apply to how you tell a false prophet from a true prophet of God. Many of the false prophets, you'll notice, are involved in proselytization. Do you know what that means? That means that nobody's receiving any kind of grace from God, any kind of power from God. Nobody is becoming a new creature. Nobody is actually moving from you know, a horrible place in life to a good place in life because they're being converted. What they're being is they're being moved from one building to another. They've already got what do they consider to be their testimony of believing Jesus. But um, uh, in order to proselyte them, the, the, uh, well, Jesus was saying particularly the Jews, he says, you compass sea and land to find one proselyte and make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Friend, that's not fruit. Many times the false prophets and the people that we admire and the guy with the latest book and the latest prophecy and the latest blah, 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 whatever it happens to be, you look at his congregation. You look at who he is. He's not people that are getting, getting he's not a guy who's getting people off of drugs. He's not, he's not um, bringing about uh, any kind of relationship with them and God. You don't see red regeneration going on. What you do see is a whole lot of proselytization. And friend, just because you find a grape stuck on a thorn does not mean that it grew there. You're going to find grapes stuck on thorns. They're proselytes, but it didn't grow there. So when he talks about judging them by their fruit, he's talking about the judging the false prophets. And he, and he goes on to say, do men gather grapes of thorns? Well, I guess they could if enough of them were stuck there. Or figs of thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, 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 in other words, I'm repeating what I told you before. You will know them by their fruit. By their fruit, you shall know them. He says it twice. This is not us judging other Christians. This is us judging the people among us that consider themselves to be God's mouthpieces. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name done, I cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, this is a tough thing for anybody to hear. This is a very difficult thing. How can we keep this from happening to us? It's going to happen to somebody it's going, there will be people who will stand before Jesus Christ as Christians 
having done works in his name that he doesn't even know. Do you know there's going to be people that are going to be admitted to the kingdom of God that don't even know Christ? By their own admission, we didn't know who you were. We didn't do anything in your name. He said, in that you did it unto these, the least of my brethren. You did it unto me. There it is again. God caring about our fellow man. You're going to find it throughout the scriptures. This is, this is what we need to be doing on the earth. This is our witness to the world. So what we have to do is, is we have to hear the word of God, Jesus Christ. We have to obey the word of God. Do what he says to do. Who is my mother, my brethren, he says? Those that hear the word of God and do it. Now here's the conclusion I say it's going to be uncomfortable for many of us. And that is, he says, therefore, therefore, I just got finished explaining all these things to you, and because those things are true, and based upon what I have told you, that's all encompassed in the word therefore, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken him unto a man that built his house upon a rock. And when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it fell not, because it was founded on a rock. Now, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, he shall be like a foolish man that built his house on the, upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now, friend, <laughs> do you see the difference in these two people? Does he mention that one of these guys frequented the bar and the other one frequented, frequented the church? Do you see here church membership? Do you see in here that this guy had a good job and wore nice clothes, drove a nice car, had a good career? took care of his wife and his kids or whatever else he did, I don't know. Whatever you think is good. Does it even mention these kind of things? No, it doesn't. It mentions the red ink. The words, my words. He who does my words. You remember the words that we went through and you thought, I don't know if that's so. Or did Jesus really say that? Or is that what he meant? Or that may be what the Bible says, but that's not the way we do it. What is the difference in these two men? Did one of them hear the word of God and the other one not hear it? I know you're bent on sending money and missionaries and everything around the world to make sure that people hear the gospel. But it says here that both of them heard it. It says here that one heard it. And it says here that the other one heard it. So they both heard it. So what's the difference in these two men? You want to get your Bible out and take a look? The difference is works. One heard everything Jesus said and didn't do it. One heard everything Jesus said and did do it. One built his house. Both built a house. Both of them evidently built a house somewhat in the same location. I happen to believe it was the same flood that hit both of them. But that's just my opinion. Difference in these two men. One had a foundation and the other one didn't. Friend, works are your foundation of salvation. The Bible says that God is not unfaithful, unrighteous to forget what? Your faith or your works? 
Where does he mention in any parable, any, any story he ever told, any teaching he ever did on judgment? Where does the, the judge look at the, at, at the judged and say, what did you believe? It never happens. God will likely never ask you what you believe. He's going to ask you what you did. We know that one day we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the deeds. These are the things that you do. The deeds done in the flesh. Not what you believed. It's not your doctrine. It's not your dogma. It's not your theology. It's not whether or not you believed in a trinity or not. Or believed in the, the God's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. It's not whether or not you believe in the findings of the Nicene Council and whether or not Jesus Christ was the essence of God or was he, oh my goodness. You know what he's going to want to know? How come it is that you're sitting there with money in the bank and that woman down the street, that widow woman down the street with those children doesn't have LP gas in her tank? That's what he's going to want to know, my friend. Where were you? That woman cried to me every night. And had you just taken five minutes of your time to sit quietly before me, I would have worked this out. I would have gotten propane into that tank if I had you. But I didn't have you. This is Jesus knocking at the door. Jesus isn't in bed with his kids saying, go away, I'll give you bread tomorrow. While the the neighbor knocked on the door, lend, lend me three loaves. No, no, no. That's Jesus out there asking you. I need help out here. I need somebody to feed the, the hungry. I need somebody to clothe the naked, take care of the widows and the orphans. Is that you? Can I depend on you to do that? Wow, that's works, brother. Yeah, why don't you get off your butt and go do some works? Do you know if you'll get involved in some works, in Christianity, you won't sit around and wring your hands over whether or not you're born again. Sit around and wonder whether or not you're saved. Order every tape on the internet, every seminar on the internet about eternal security. Trying to find out whether or not you're saved. Or you will be saved. Or can you fall from grace? Or am I going to miss hell? Am I going to dodge the flames? How do you want to you get rid of that? Not only hear the Word of God, start doing it. When you do this, you know what's going to happen? You're going to become complete. You'll never wonder about your salvation again, ever again. Time's gone. Hope you've enjoyed the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to continue with the rest of the red ink from the Scriptures, the words of Jesus Christ to His church on the earth. And that's you. Well, I hope so. That's right. We all want to be there, don't we? And how are we going to do that? I'll tell you exactly how it's going to happen. And I don't know that it's going to happen any other way. It's going to happen when you decide to think ready. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being a part of the show. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.